Thank you to filling up this hole here. If you've ever been up here with a microphone, it's a lot easier when you got like people. You know, you gotta find like one person there, and you kind of always just to make sure people are awake. So it's always easier when you got people sitting where you can see them. Look at that. You would swear this was, she was getting graded for this. Okay, girl. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. Um, we're going to pray in a second, but I, real quick, I just wanted to say uh, just two quick uh, testimonies. Um, I applied for a job or got contacted by a job maybe a month, month and a half ago, and uh, I never heard back from the guy. He told me he wanted me for the position and never heard back from the guy. Uh, and I just, he hit me up over the last couple of days and I'll be going in tomorrow morning. Uh, so that's a, that's a answer to prayer and, and CD, I, I was hoping he would get up here to share that, but, um, CD has been taking a, he, he had one class to finish his bachelor's degree, right? One class to finish his bachelor's degree and it, uh, cost quite a bit of money and he was able to get it and take that. He had to take a couple of exams and it has just been, if you're part of, our, if you are at our house church, you'd know more, but I mean, he had to take four tests, right? The third one he took, and then they lost it, so he had to retake it. So he had to study again, you know, some material, and so he did that test. And then this Friday was his last test, and then he was going to be good to go. And his teacher forgot that he was taking a test that day, so he's taking it again tomorrow. Well, he's taking it tomorrow for the first time. Um, but also, as an answer to prayer, we pray for those that are part of our house church. We prayed a couple of weeks ago because CD... Uh, decided that, it, that he needed to leave his job. Uh, one, of, one of the reasons being he wanted to be a part of the house churches on Wednesday nights, and he was working Wednesdays. Um, so he took a step of faith uh, for that, and he got contacted about a job that he applied for earlier this year. Uh, he starts tomorrow. So <clears throat> it's, just a, it's just a testimony, man, of God's answered prayer. I really believe, man, we come together and, Start sharing our burdens and with one another and praying. Uh, not that everything is always going to be great, but there'll be peace uh, in the midst of it. Uh, so I was really excited Friday when uh, I got to, I dropped him off to go fill out his paperwork because it was like, man, you take your test and then you got a job. Like God almost set that up so that he could focus on school and uh, now he'll have a job. So that is exciting. Uh, but let me just pray uh, for tonight, Father God. Uh, we thank you. For the truth of your word, God, and we pray in Jesus' name that you would reveal your character to us tonight, God. God, I pray above everything else, God, everything I share tonight, that people would would understand that this is what Jesus is like. And that it would cause us to fall more in love with him. God, I pray in Jesus' name for for revelation tonight to come from your word. In in your name we pray, amen. Amen. Man, this week has been a crazy week. I had several different things flying through my head. I, you know, we're praying for Pastor Steve. I was looking for a job. He was, you know, just just a bunch of things going on. There was a fundraiser that uh, a couple of us were a part of last night. Um, so it was just real busy, and I, I uh, <clears throat> just been asking the Lord what to share on tonight. And as I was thinking about us, and again, what we're trying to do, we're still in the in the foundational uh, time of building cross-culture. You know, we're laying down 
the foundations where where we are building a culture. You know, we're learning. We're 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 learning how are we going to do things. That's what the culture. That's what a culture is. The way you go about doing things. If you were Puerto Rican, there's certain things you do strictly because you're Puerto Rican. And because, that's just the reality of if you're a Mexican, there's certain things you do because you're Mexican. You just grow up that way. It's nothing right or wrong about it. It's the way you do it. And that's what we're setting out to do here is to build a culture uh, centered around the cross and, and, and create families where we would feel like we're, we're, we're a family. When we read scriptures that say that God places us in a family that, we would, that would bear witness with us. So we're trying to create a family. So I was, I was thinking about that. Uh, Something just just came to me. Uh, man, families have problems. Anybody have a family member that you can blame for the problem? And I'm saying. But families have issues. People get offended. People get hurt. It's, and it always seems to be in family. Right? It's like if, if, if I borrowed my brother 20 bucks, I might not get that $20 back. Because it's my brother, Right? But if somebody else, when you borrowed him 20 bucks, you could probably bank on getting that back. Because there's just a certain, there's a certain way that where, where we got things flipped. Where we treat family like, well, you know, you have to be there. You're always going to be there. And I, I, I was just praying and asking the Lord, well, well, how do we deal with these things? And that's what I want to talk about tonight. Not that I know about a bunch of problems that people are having within the church here, but just, I feel like it's good to address some things before we have to get there. You know, let's plan ahead for when issues do arise, and we do have problems, and people do get offended and hurt, because it's bound to happen because we're a family, and we're still learning how each other works, right, and, and, and things. And I believe there's a way to addressing conflict uh, within the kingdom when you're talking about a family. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. It's, it's a well-known passage when it comes to dealing with conflict. And we're just going to look at a couple of things because I, th- I think one of the, the, where you need to start, I believe what we need to start is learning how to deal with conflict. What happens if somebody wrongs you? And one of the great things about the scriptures, man, is we have answers for questions like that. In Matthew 18, verse 15 says, If another believer sins against you, go privately putting, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen... Take your case to the church, then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or as a corrupt tax collector. But I want to focus on the the beginning here, where he says, if another believer, if a family member sins against you, wrongs you, go to them privately. That's 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 huge. If you're if you're too busy, you'll read right over that. And you address someone privately if there's a conflict. Putting people on blast, you know, Facebook comments and statuses and tweets and, you know, whatever the case is, this is not, this is not how you deal with conflict in the kingdom. You go to somebody privately and you let them know what they did. 
It's almost like for, for, for many people, and trust me, I'm guilty of this too. It's like we assume, oh, you know what you did. I'm, just, I'm not going to say anything. You know what you did. And there's, so there's this, almost this sense of like, well, I don't have to say anything because you were there when you did it, and you should know what's wrong. And here we see Jesus gives us instructions. If somebody sins against you, you go to them. You go to them. I, I believe there's plenty of people in the church or that have left the church because of this very thing. Because they got hurt by somebody and they didn't want to address it. They were waiting on somebody else to address it. They were waiting on somebody else to bring it up. And so Jesus tells us how to deal with that. And then he says, if that doesn't work, then you go and you grab two or three more people, one or two, and you bring them with you. And you, it says, go back. Right? You go back to the same person. You're not dealing with things correctly if you just go find two or three people and tell them about the problem and make sure they're on your side. That's not dealing with conflict. It's not building an army, you know, on your side for how you were wronged. It's taking two or three people and saying, all right, man, here's, here's what's going on. What do you think I should do? Can we, you know, come back with me, whatever the case is. You know, recently I, I myself was wronged. And I, I, I was talking to Janelle about it, and I just wasn't sure how to deal with it. And, uh, and I was just like, and it was, the person I, I called was like, like, we're not even really close friends. I just, something just told me, like, they, they're, they're the right person to, to talk to about this. So I called them, and I told them what happened, and they said, well, I'm really sorry you had to go through that, but I think it's on you, man. Are you going to forgive them? Or are you going to sit around and wait? Are you going to sit here and remember all the times that you've wronged people? Or are you going to hold it? And I was just like, oh. like that's not really what I was thinking when I was making a phone call because I was upset, I was hurt, I was offended. But this person's like, well, it's on you. Are you going to forgive them? And it, man, it really spoke to me, just the reality of the fact, like, well, I guess you're right. You know, I, I do this often. I'm not perfect. I hurt people. I offend people. I know my personality, and I know it pushes people's buttons sometimes. But here we see it says to, for, to address, address it, address the person. You know, one uh, tip that I learned over the years as far as gossiping and dealing with issues is if the person you're talking to about the problem is not directly related to the problem or directly related to solving the problem, it's gossip. If they're not going to help you fix it, there's no reason to talk about it. And as, as, a, as a quick side note, I just, I just came to me, man. We also need to be careful of the picture that we paint about people when you're sharing about your problems and how people hurt you. You know, I remember there was a time when my, my, my dad, my, my, my spiritual father, he's, he's very, you know, Black and white, it's always yes or no. There's no middle gray areas. So it's very rough. And, uh, I, you know, I, I've learned that side of him. And I remember one time when this was, Janelle and I were, were newly married, and I had said something. He wanted us to come over or talk about something. And I was like, man, I don't know, man. My wife is intimidated by you. And he said, why is she intimidated by me? She doesn't even know me. And I was like, well, you know, because you're, you're, you know, black and white, and you're always pushing. And, and he was like, 
She doesn't know that. He said, she only knows that because you told her that about me. And it hit me that me coming home and like venting to my wife painted a picture for what he was like. And it was just like, man, like I painted a really bad picture. You know, and so I say that, I throw that in to, man, even if you've been hurt and you've been wrong, you've been offended, man, we need to be mindful of the things that we say when we're talking about how we were hurt and offended. Because we're still, you're talking about family. You're talking about somebody's sister. Somebody, you're talking about Jesus' wife. So be mindful what you say when you're, when you're, it's okay. I'm not saying we weren't wronged. I'm not trying to belittle what someone did. I'm saying there's a way to deal with this. In another passage, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. I love how in many situations Jesus doesn't allow for a way out. It's almost like we get cornered. Because in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, says... So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, and then come and offer your sacrifice to God. So first we see in Matthew 18 that Jesus says, if somebody sins against you, address it. If you're the victim, address it. Now, in here we see in Matthew chapter 5, if you remember that you wronged somebody, address it. And I, 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 I believe this is how we're going to build a family here. This is how the culture is going to be shaped because we're not going to let things go unaddressed. Because we're going to say, because we're family, because I love you, I need, I need you to know this. Man, when you did that, you were completely oblivious to it, man. It really bothered me. Or, hey, when I did that, I just noticed, man, there was, your face just was like you, I kind of got the feeling you weren't with me on that. Man, did, you know, can we talk about it? There's an easy way to do this, man, or there's the hard way. And we just, well, Matthew 18 says they need to come to me if I wronged them. Right? Or we can say, well, Matthew chapter 5 says if you know something, Somebody's got a problem with you. If you know that somebody's mad at you about something, that you hurt someone. Jesus says, leave your sacrifice at the altar. Go and take care of business first. Then come and make your sacrifice. Sacrifice was a a way of worshiping God. I mean, think about it. What if, what if, we try, actually tried to live this out. And people showed up on a Sunday night or at the house church on a Wednesday night and were determined to make sure that you were on good terms with everybody before you came into the presence. Before you were like, all right, God, I love... And before you decided to worship, you said, let me make sure that I'm on good terms with everybody. Let me make sure I've made all the wrongs right. It would totally change worship. Because now not, not only are you now free to worship, but now somebody else is free to worship. Because you ever show up to church and you're, and you're just like, <sighs> and you don't want to sing, 
You don't, you don't, I'm going to sit in the back. I just don't, nah, nah, nah. Because, but I'm telling you, if this, if we actually put this stuff into practice, it would change the way we worshiped as a family. And we, we might see God show up. Because we're all, we're all in, in one accord. We're all living in peace with one another. Something might actually happen. And he says, if you remember that somebody's got something against you, it's not just go over there and be like, hey, Chai, I didn't know you were salty about that. You know, my bad. You know, like, that's not what he says. He says, go and be reconciled. My iPad will give me the definition for reconciled. And it says, to restore friendly relations between or to cause to coexist in harmony. To cause to coexist, coexist in harmony. This is what Jesus is telling us. If you know somebody's got a problem with something that you did, go bring it up until there's harmony. Until things are, are, are flowing together. Until it sounds right. Until your worship sounds good to the Lord. Get in sync. That's when we're done reconciling. It's not just acknowledging the fact that you did something that hurt someone. That's not it. It's not saying, hey, I know I, 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 I did that. I'm sorry, but... And then you go on justifying what you did. And I, I, I will do that all the time. I still do it. And I've had to learn, especially if for those that are married, no, it's just say sorry. You can't just, I'm sorry, but, and here's my excuses for why I did it. I just want to know you're sorry. That's it. We'll talk about that later. Let me, that's just the reality of it. <clears throat> so we're charged to go and be reconciled with one another. And if you flip back to Matthew 18, we see a, a, another story that Jesus tells us a couple verses after what we just read. In Matthew 18, verse 21, it says, Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. And even right there, I mean, I know we've heard this before, people preached on this passage before, but even that, seven times is a lot. It was like seven times. What happened to the three strikes? Seven? And Jesus' response, verse 22, said, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he, and let me stop, let me stop there and say this. He's gonna, Jesus is gonna point this out at the end, but I'm pointing it out now. The king is God in this picture, in this story. When you're listening to this story, think of this is what God is like. Because he's showing us what the kingdom is like. So verse 23 says, for this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. 
When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay his Lord, commanded him to be sold along with his wife, children, and all that he had, and repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him his debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me and I will repay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what he owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed to him. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Man, it's, 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 I know it's a heavy passage, but the reality is this. This is what the king is like. There will be a day where he wants to get, how does he word it? He wants to settle accounts. There will come a day where the king will arrive and he'll want to settle accounts with us. And some will be found on that day to owe a lot. And the reality is this, man. Right now, at this very moment, we owe a lot. We have a debt to a king that we cannot pay. So what are the consequences? You get sold. Your wife gets sold. Your kids get sold. Everything gets sold until I get what's due. That's what the king says, right? But the guy lays down before him, asks for mercy. Asks for mercy. And it says the king has compassion on him and forgets, forgives the debt. Man, what a, what a merciful king. But then for some of us who have had our debt forgiven, for those of us that are believers, we come, we, we come right back into the world. Come, come, we, we leave the altar. And all of a sudden, we're, we're still hurt. We still have things that people owe us. They owe me an apology. They owe me whatever the case is. Fill in the blank. There's something that's owed to us, and we want to hold them to it. Even though our debt has been forgiven, we want to hold this against them. And I'm, I'm telling you, this, this is not a way to build a healthy family. When people start holding grudges, you can throw the healthy family right out the window. Because what happens is there's a lack of trust now. Because you hurt me, I don't trust you. Because I don't trust you, we'll never have a healthy relationship. At the same time, for the offenders, this is not give you a green, a green light to just 
let loose and just be like, well, you got to forgive me. That's not how this works. But my, my, or what I really felt in my heart is, man, that, that we really need to learn how to forgive. We need to learn how to forgive. Because he, Jesus says, my father will do the same to you if you don't learn how to forgive from your heart. It's not just saying the words. It's not just saying, I forgive them, I forgive them, I forgive them. No, that's not going to work. It's got to be real. There's got to be real forgiveness in your heart. When Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray in Matthew chapter 6, he says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. He says, forgive me to the same degree that I forgive those that wrong me. That's what the prayer says. Forgive me to the same degree that I forgive others. So what does that mean if we don't forgive others? And if you think that's, that's not what that's saying, he, Jesus goes out of his way to clear it up. Verse 14. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody wants to say, oh, God, is, he's this good God. He's a merciful God. He loves you, and he wants to forgive your sins. He died to save you. Come to the cross. Come to Jesus. Here, we'll make room at the altar for you. But nobody wants to say, look, man, there's bitterness in your heart. It's got to go. If there's resentment in your heart, it's got to go. And look, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not. But that doesn't mean it doesn't have to go. It's going to be hard. And that's why Jesus gives us the same spirit that was in him, just in the same way he's able to forgive us. Now we have that same spirit. If you are born again. There's no excuse. I know it's hard. Yes, it is. But that doesn't give you an excuse. That doesn't, that's not a get out of jail free card. The Spirit enables us. He gives us the grace, the ability to do what we could not do on our own. He enables us to forgive. <clears throat> and Luke... 17.3 says, and I, you don't have to turn to these. I'm going to go through a couple verses. Luke 17.3 says, be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. There's two sides to that. Most modern day prophets are going to focus on the first half. Somebody sins, I'm going to rebuke you in Jesus' name. Somebody's, I know some people are just dying to say that to somebody. Just, like, put it right up there on your list with, like, I object. Like, you just, you just want to say that. But the other half of that is if they repent, you forgive them. It means you don't hold it against them. You're not bringing it up. You don't make them live in light of what they did. 
Colossians 3.13 says, Bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also you should forgive them. Ephesians 4.32, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also forgave you. Here's another one. In Mark 11, Jesus is saying that all things are possible. You just need to ask for them. Ask in my name, and it will be given to you. And then in verse 25, he says, Whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you for your transgressions. First Corinthians 13.5 says, Do not act unbecomingly. Love does not act unbecomingly. Love does not seek its own. It is not provoked. Love does not take into account wrongs suffered. Love does not keep record of wrongdoings. Proverbs 17.9 says, Love prospers when a fault is forgiven. Love prospers when a fault is forgiving, but dwelling on it separates close friends. First Peter 4.8 says, Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Look, the reality is this. If we're trying to build a family, if we're trying to build a culture of love, we're going to have to get over some things. We're going to have to learn to let some things go. We're going to have to learn how to forgive people. And what I'm not saying is, Forgive somebody, and every time you forgive somebody, you got to run up to them and tell them, I just forgave you, and they don't have no idea what's happening. <laughs> I've had that happen. People, won't, I, give, I just forgave you, and like, what did I do? Oh, seven months ago when you did, it's like, oh, man, and you're really sorry, but you're like, man, it's not, it's, some things you need to bring up, and some things you just need to leave between you and the Lord. There's wisdom. Proverbs 19.11 says, A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Man, and, and, and I remember Jose, Jose said, I don't remember how he said it, but I, I just remember it had something to do with finding out how spiritual we were when it comes time to forgive. Because I'm telling you, man, we... we we, we start, you spend enough time praying and reading your Bible. It's like, I can do anything. I can, I'll, yeah, sure, show me the mountain. I'll move it. I'm the guy. But then when it comes time to forgive, it's like, whoa. And the, the, look, watch how the devil perverts things. Because it's like, well, I'm, the, I'm like the great man of God. You don't wrong me. I can't be wronged. I'm telling you, it, it comes with the territory because we're family. But when, when there's real love, when we truly love one another, things, things can be worked out. There can be real forgiveness. And not just for the sake of there being peace amongst us when we get together, because that's not the goal. So that there's peace between us and the Father. 
That's why we forgive. Because we see clearly in the scriptures here, man, our forgiveness is directly related to us forgiving others. I mean, there's people, there's people that carry burdens, they carry just such a heavy weight. And one thing I haven't talked about yet is just the reality of the fact, man, sometimes we need to be able to forgive ourselves. Sometimes we need to be able to forgive ourselves for what happened. We need to be able to forgive other people. That's true. But sometimes we hold a grudge against ourselves. So how does that work? I don't forgive myself. Do my sins still get forgiven? Look, man, the reality is this. There's, there, there's, and, and it's, it's, science, it's like scientifically, psychologically proven that stress and bitterness and anger and resentment physically affects us. Physically affects us. So, and it's not just when it's directed towards other people. And 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 as crazy as it sounds, and you know, everybody when they talk about this talks about how crazy it is. But sometimes we need to learn how to forgive the Lord. And it's crazy because He didn't really do anything wrong. But we still put, we, we blame him for stuff. Where were you when that happened? And there's real pain and bitterness and hurt that comes from whatever kind of situation. I know Natalie and I had, uh, had a chance to walk through a, this sozo, uh, like a deliverance thing, uh, with someone. And they were going through different, were going through different seasons in their lives, and bringing up, I mean, very hurtful, painful, traumatic experiences in their lives. And one of the things that we, we you had the person do as they were bringing these things up was ask the Lord, where were you when that happened? Because sometimes we'll, we'll allow the devil to trick us into believing that God wasn't there, like he took a break. That's, that's not our God. When you read the, the account of Elijah on the mountain, that's their God that gets called out for taking a nap, going on vacation and using the bathroom, whatever else he said. That's, that's, that's not our God. And the, the, the reality is this, man. Again, we have this spirit within us. We have the Holy Spirit within us. And he enables us to forgive no matter how big it is. The opportunity is there to forgive whoever it is. I don't care what they did. The opportunity is there to forgive yourself. The opportunity is there to forgive God. The, the real question is, are you ready? Because for a lot of people, forgiveness means letting go and means freedom. And they become so accustomed to living in bondage to their fears and their insecurities and their pains that this is who they are now. 
They find their identity in how, how they were wronged. And I'm not trying to belittle anything that's happened to anyone. But this, this, this cannot be your identity. Some people live their lives in light of the fact that they were molested when they were younger. And this is just who they are. And they blame their promiscuous lifestyle on what happened to them when they were kids. And again, I'm not belittling that. That's horrific. But you cannot continue to live in light of that. And people know, you, people understand in their hearts because I believe the Spirit brings illumination. He reveals the fact, look, if you really address this, you're going to be free and you don't know how to live free. You're more comfortable in your bondage than you are with the idea of living in freedom. When the Emancipation Proclamation took place and the slaves were free, there were some slaves that, one, didn't even know they were free. And there were some that did know they were free and decided to go back into slavery. Why? Because they didn't know how to live free. The freedom is yours. But some people just compl- they just reject it. I don't want it. I, I'm happier living this way. I'd much rather live miserable than live free. Because freedom means change. Freedom means it, growing as a human being. Freedom means vulnerability. Freedom means having to sit up at an altar somewhere and tell somebody your dirty business. Freedom means having to bring up something that happened when you were a kid that you don't want to talk about anymore. But man, I'm telling you, man, if that's what it takes, if that's what it takes, it's absolutely worth it. Jesus gave his life for the opportunity. He, he laid his life on the line so that you could have a chance to talk about it, to bring it up. You know, there's, there's, it's, it's, there's, there's the power of sin is in secretness. The guilt, the shame that we feel usually is because other people don't know. It's usually because nobody else knows what's really going on in my heart when I'm in bed at night. Because nobody else is there. And this is why I'm, I'm bringing this up because, listen, if we can get to a place where we start to, to, to model love for one another and these, these walls that stand between us trusting one another, if we can learn how to forgive one another, all of a sudden... We start to, okay, you know what, I love, I know this person loves me. We need to talk. This is what I'm going through. It's like everybody wants to, deep inside everybody's waiting for an opportunity to talk about it. You're, you're waiting for it. But the fear of addressing it, the fear of coming face to face with it again. Again, I'm not saying it's easy. I know it's hard. I'm sure it's hard. But the reality is this, man. That's, that's why we're here. There's not a person in this room that hasn't been wronged. There's people that have been wronged this week. Want to slap somebody. <laughs> that's the reality of it, man. Because some people just don't care. But are you going to hold that against them? You know, there's times where, you know, 
Jubilee might do something, whatever. She spills something on my, on my clothes, whatever. I don't, I, don't, I don't stay angry at her. You might get frustrated for a little bit, but it's soon over. You know why? You know why it doesn't last long? Because she doesn't, she's not dwelling on it. She's not thinking about the fact that she did it. She might have been scared for a little bit to see my reaction, but give it 20 minutes and, you know, VeggieTales is on. She totally forgot about it. There's a, there's a real freedom in understanding your real identity as, as a child of God. Because you can acknowledge the fact, listen, I know I messed up. I blew it. And there can be real forgiveness that takes place between you and the Father. And then we can forget about it. We don't have to dwell on it. You know, I don't, I don't have another 45 minutes to go on this. I really wanted to just, you know, share this and just give us an opportunity to respond. You know, if you know that there's somebody that has wronged you, that you're holding something against, I would encourage you to obey the scriptures. These are not suggestions. I would encourage you to obey the scriptures. And look, on a, on a practical level, there's a way to deal with conflict that's healthy. It's never over text message or email. or I'm just saying because... Trust me, it, I get it in my like. Whoa! As soon as I get a t- message, I'm like, "Hello, hey, I just got your text. You should have called me about that. We should have had coffee. Like, we don't deal with these things. You know, you know why we don't deal with things like that? Because we honor one another one, en- enough to to say, "Man, look, here's here's my broken heart. Here's my hurt. Here's my pain." And it takes faith to do it. You want to be spiritual, it takes faith to forgive. It takes faith to address issues. So if you know somebody has something against you, you've hurt them. The scriptures say, leave your sacrifice at the altar. Go and be reconciled. Go and make things right until there's real harmony between the two of you. If, if, if somebody's hurt you, I, I, I am, I'm, I'm telling you, there's real freedom in addressing this. And the reason being is because we, we want to we stand before God, as First John tells us. We want to stand before God to a, in a place where our heart would not condemn us. Where we would not stand before God and feel like, there's, like you know, you ever show up to pray or to worship and you know, there's something you need to deal with before you can even get started. Your heart condemns you before God. You sit down in the morning with a cup of coffee and a Bible, and all of a sudden you get reminded of everything you did the day before that you shouldn't have done. You, can't, you cannot get around those things. You might as well just deal with it. So I'm, we'll, we'll, we'll play... Some music, and, and if, if you want prayer, if you feel like there's, there's unforgiveness in your heart, if there's bitterness and resentment in your heart, 
I want to ask you to, to challenge you to come up, to come up and, and first do business with the Lord. If you want to sit down, kneel, whatever, do business with God. Bring it up, talk about it. And if you want prayer, we'll, we'll, you know, the leaders will come around and pray. You know, may, maybe we're all good. And I'm fine with that. But I really want to make sure that we have an opportunity to make things right before the Lord. So that we can continue to build a culture here. That's centered around the cross. That's centered around forgiveness. Where people, where we, would be, we would be known as a people that don't hold grudges. That don't hold things against people. So Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that we find in the scriptures, God. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would be glorified in us. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would continue to, to put your finger on the areas of our hearts, God, where we have bitterness, where we have resentment. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would allow us by your spirit, God, to confront these things, to address them, God, to find real freedom in the cross. God, we pray in Jesus' name that we would not hold things against one another. God, not just today, not just this week. God, I pray that you would make this a part of the very culture of our church. That when we're wronged, it's okay to... The, the, the culture would be that it's okay to address things. It's okay to pull someone to the side and say, hey, when you did that, I, I just, I didn't appreciate it. And that we would be quick to forgive one another. God, we see in, 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 in the example that we have in the scriptures that the book of Acts was filled with, with just radical love that they had, Lord God. We pray that we would have that same love, God, and that it would come through forgiveness. That through our obedience to your scriptures, God, that we would find real forgiveness. In Jesus' name.